very powerful and the very stupid have one thing in common. The Doctor Who Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Doctor Who Podcast. In this episode, James and Trev take a well-earned break, leaving me to bring you two interviews recorded earlier this year at the Manchester Convention, Who at the Fab Cafe. All this space and all this time, oh, I think I might just stretch out a little bit. How are you? It's Tom here. Right, James and Trev have gone away and they left my box unlocked, so I've got the whole camper van to myself. Do you know what? When this place has only got one person in it, there's actually quite a lot of room here. Right, anyway, let's have a look. I've found a swimwear catalogue, and I'm just trying to pick a bikini for Trev and James to wear at Gallifrey 20... Ah! <laughs> the Nicola Bryant special. That's the one. Right! While I'm checking these out, you can have a listen to writer and director Ryan Hendrick talking about making fan films in the Doctor Who style. Take it away. I'm here with Ryan Hendrick, a filmmaker who's recently been speaking to the quite great Graham Harper. Hello, Ryan. Hi there, hi. Hi, um, but you, you explained that, uh, as we were talking earlier on, that you got into making films through Doctor Who. Yeah, that's right. Um, I get introduced to it when I was around seven years old. Okay. Uh, my father kind of sat me down and said, you have to watch this. Uh, and the very first one I saw, or the very first two I saw back-to-back were um, Graham Harper's two stories from the old series, which was Caves of Androzani followed by Revelation of the Daleks. Cool. Which... And because you know they had a sort of very sort of bleak but very uh, dramatic tone to them, which just absolutely hooked me. And right after that, I started uh, writing my own little one-page Doctor Who stories. Okay. Um, and I just progressed from there. To I, I wrote them for a number of years, and then eventually I moved on to writing original stuff. And then you know finally I had to kind of go and make something. So I went and made a couple of amateur films with family and friends, and that just progressed into independent filmmaking. Um, wow. And I studied as an actor, and it's, it's kind of it all came from there at the tender age of seven. That sounds awesome. Okay, so when, as you watch Doctor Who, what things do you think about the show have informed the work that you do now? Apart from this, apart from the show that's going to get shown later on, actually. But. Yeah, um, well, it's always been very ins- inspiring because um, I moved away from acting for quite a while and never really took it all that seriously. Okay. Uh, and then Doctor Who came back, and in comes Chris Eccleston, uh, and just blew me away as a performer. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely stunning performance, and by the time that series finished, I was like, okay. Drama school. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so I went along, went to drama school, and obviously David Tennant came along, who's also another phenomenal actor, you know, another phenomenal Scottish actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a great inspiration as well, just to kind of watch, just watch what he was going on, and the kind of the depth he was going to, and kind of try and kind of relate that to my own style of performance when I'm studying as well. Okay. So to see kind of performance of that caliber really going into something 
because, I mean, David Tennant himself, you know, get into acting because of Doctor Who, and he is a very big fanboy as well. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, and he went because of, you know, because of watching John Kerry, Tom Baker, and Peter Davison. Uh, and, you know, so it's quite, so someone's gone down that route and has been that as inspired as I have been. Okay. So it's nice to see that kind of someone with the same sort of zest. Can you tell us a little bit about the fan film? Yeah. Is, is, uh, is, what, is, that, is that the main reason you're here today? Yes, it is, yeah. I think that's um, okay. I've, I've always, I, I, I like going to conventions, uh, but I don't always travel far and wide for it. Uh, okay. it's, not, it's not always something I do, but yeah. I did contact the different people that organised the event mm. when we made it, and they're all very, very supportive. Say, so, yeah, we'll yeah, bring it to us. Really lovely. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, if, you know, hope no one takes the wrong impression to hear this. But if the film industry was as nice as the the fan industry, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. the fan network, if you want to put it that way, you know, it would. Be, It'd be, a, it'd be a much nicer environment to work in. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, cause you, you've got, you've got that luminaries like Graham Harper here, yeah. which is amazing. You know, he's, a, he's a groundbreaking director and taking time to talk to fans. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Everyone's so down to earth, and it's like they're not phased by it at all, which is great. Because you're always worried that because you know some people are quite shy. Um, I mean, I, I was at a convention in London yesterday, uh, and I was put in the green room with the rest of the guests. So I was kind of just mixed. <laughs> Because uh, uh, I know Hamish Wilson, I've previously worked with him, uh, okay. and I was saying hello. To, we're just having a wee catch up, and suddenly Fraser Hines walks into the conversation. Oh, just randomly, he's like, "Yeah, how you doing?" And then it's like you talk the way it's like, "Oh, that's Fraser Hines." <laughs> but it's like too late. <laughs> well, if you're going to be director, we have to learn how to work with that. Yeah, exactly. And it was great just to get a people just been very polite to you. I mean, uh, Robert Sherman over there uh, met yeah, him yesterday, and he's been incredibly supportive towards the, the mm. fan film. And just so down to earth. And it's, it's great. I mean. I'm, uh, so it's nice that people are very friendly, very open. And it's not a closed off. Well, you yourself are not being you're, you're, you're not being particularly hard. <laughs> no. But tell me, tell me about the fan film. What's it called? Yeah, sure. It's called Besieged. Besieged. Um, uh-huh. It's a set on board a military research spacecraft. Okay. Uh, in the future, um, it's kind of a cross between Doctor Who and Alien. Okay. Almost, it's be interesting. Yeah, it's uh, in tone is definitely. They sense your fear potency of human terror. You can see very much that he's been inspired by Alien uh, 42. And we've kind of gone for that. I mean, if you look back in Graham's earlier work, particularly in Case Van Der Zandy, mm. uh, you know he convinced the lighting guys to turn the lights down and yeah. create so much atmosphere. Yeah. And yeah. that's what we tried to do as well. Also, the fact that um, you know we're non-profit fan films, so we're working on a very, very tight budget, very limited budget. Very Doctor so, Who. Yeah, very Doctor <laughs> Who. Yeah. yeah. Well, not now, but so so it, all, it basically demands us to be clever. Uh-huh. I mean, we got a great set, so we just um, we filmed it in the arches in Glasgow in the basement. Okay. Where they do the alien war. And their corridors and different areas are very like a spacecraft. Got you. So we just, but they're quite plain. So all we did was dress them up and mess them up like a wee bit like a like the Nostromo or such. Or they have oh. a broken spaceship. Kind of in Forty Two, for example, they were oh. in a factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the idea that the, the future is dirty. Yeah, I, li- I love that. <laughs> so we kind of tried to go for that kind of style mm. and just mess it up. Because Graham was saying uh, his designer walked in to this existing set, you know, and basically added to it, and that was just a great luxury to play with. So we. 
in a way we've kind of mirrored that. Uh-huh. So there's definitely a bit of 42 in our episodes. Yeah. Okay. Well, if we, if we want, if I want to, if I if I want to tell the listeners where to find the movie, yeah. Where we get is there a website for it? There is a website. Um, it's quite simple. It's www.thesiege.co.uk. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Um, the film will go online at the, uh, eventually. We haven't got around to doing that yet. Uh, but it is available on DVD. Uh, you can get in contact with us and ask for it and we'll send it to you. Uh, but we are going around uh, various conventions as well. So Perfect. Okay, okay so I, I think I should ask you a couple of questions about that. Where can, we, where can people actually go to see the film? Um, well, it's just play, uh, it played yesterday in Invasion, in uh, Barking. It's playing today. Um, here in Manchester uh-huh. um, I have had a chat with uh, Carrie who, uh, who does uh, Regeneration in Swansea Perfect. in September yep. so it looks like it'll be playing there over that Work weekend um, uh, are you pleased with the way things are going? yeah it's been very welcoming yeah I've never had so much exposure for my independent work than oh, I have okay. for this what, after Besieged what next do you have a vision of what comes after that? well it's only a short and we designed it as like the second act of a third act story okay uh, and it is a short film in its own right as well, uh, although it's open-ended. But yeah, we would very much like to do the, for, the full 45 and do the story. It's very interesting story ideas, because I think when you watch it, there are some very unanswered questions. It's clear there's a backstory, there's something else going on there that we're not privy to yet. Okay. So what is that? And I, would, I know exactly what it is. I figured it out before we did it. She didn't believe cool. it. Not that we'll fill the gaps later, but I know where I want to, where I want to go with it. Cool. So I would very much like to do the full 45 minutes, but... It's costly to do it, it's, a pra- it's fan films for your own money, it's time consuming as well, but all it depends, do the audience like it? You know, the audience are the, everyone in this room, so do they like it and well, we do they want shortly. more? <laughs> yeah. well, I, I should ask, actually, set, setting aside the character of the Doctor, which I yeah. think we can bring things, is there, any, is there a character in say, Classic or New Who that you would, as an actor, you would like to portray? In, uh, uh, in New Who or Classic Who, is there a character you think, oh, actually, I'd quite like a go at that? Oh, uh, <laughs> I would quite simply sell my soul for a part uh, as any <laughs> character doctor. <laughs> there are some podcasters that would do that as well. Yeah. <laughs> my CV has been sent down to prior, although I never received a reply. <laughs> but, uh, it, but, but assuming you got there was a green light, it's like, do you know what, Ryan? Okay, so you know, we, we can take any of these characters to the canon. Which would you like? Of existing characters? Yeah. I would love to play a villain. Okay. You know, if it came down, you know. Had to you know. say this, is it easier to be a, to be a villain than it is to be uh, a character of virtue? Well, possibly. Either someone very heroic or a really nasty villain. I think it's villain, the villain part, especially Doctor Who, you get to play with. There's a lot to play with. But not mean all cats get a lot to play with. But you know, particularly as you know, if you're if you're a villain, you're going to get a face off with the uh, you know a, with a, a hero with a phenomenal <laughs> actor. You know, you're going to get some really juicy stuff to do because um, you're going to have you know. Whoever's playing the doctor, right in your face, giving you, you know, as good as you get. Some grief, definitely, definitely. So, I should ask, what inspires you to write? Oh, uh, what inspires me to write? Um, that is a very difficult question, believe it or not. Uh, different things will interest me at different points in my life, just to do with experience or things that I see or experience or you know, see through my own eyes or, or just by some somebody else. Anything can trigger it off. It really depends on. Where you are in your life and what, how mature you are, where you progress different stages of maturity. Yeah. It'd be interested in different things. Like something, um, so I wrote a romantic comedy last year because I suddenly decided I wanted to try a comedy because I was in interested in certain kind of romantic uh, drama stories. Um, but everything that I do, I mean, I've, I've gone around all various different genres. But 
my main interest, I'm interested in emotional truth. Okay. And it's interesting to kind of play with that in, into very different, genre, different genres, not all, that don't always get that. And that's something that Doctor Who do very, very well now. I was going to say, do you, are you seeing an upswing in the amount of emotional truth that we're finding in the show right now? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, they've, kind of, they've taken it and grinned in reality. It's like, okay, this is a fantasy series, we know that, but if this was real, this is how it would play out. Okay, like uh, that. And they've grounded it in contemporary affairs, which is what Doctor Who's always done very well. It's always been very, kept con- contemporary with the interest and the stages and the way television is at the time that it's done. So it's never really gone out of fashion, it's just progressed with the times. Um, were, you a, were you a Doctor Who fan before, you know, from, from being a child? You're still quite young now, but... Yeah, well, 25, nearly 26. Uh, that's, that's childish. Yeah, <laughs> childish. Child, well, very childish, I'm very childish. <laughs> but, you know, I've been a fan, you know, since seven years old and just continued all the way through. So, you know, when so I went chasing after videos and when Paul McGann came out with his movie, that wow. was yeah, yeah. the most exciting thing in the world. And for a, a kid who was about 12 years old, that kind of stage in life, that the kind of style of that movie, although it has its flaws, it's a bit Americanized. But when you're 12 years old, that's the best thing in the world. It's, it's interesting. So you got into Doctor Who when it was away actually off screen. How do you mean, sorry? Well, so you're 20, 25 years old. Yeah, well, so you, you came to the show when it wasn't actually being shown on a regular yes, basis. Yes, I ended when it was when it was finished. I mean, yeah. I was born in 1984. You know, oh. I I remember some images of Sylvester McCoy in the late 80s, but I know, I'm, you know, I'm like three or four years old, so I'm oh. not going to remember much. But I remember like various images, but. I wasn't really properly introduced until 1992, I think. Okay. And yeah, it was gone. It was absolutely gone. So what, what part of the concept do you think drew you in? It was the creativity. Uh, it was just something different. Um, one of the first images I do remember from the first two stories I saw is um, just the way the look of Revelation of the Daleks gets all shot in the snow. That fascinated me. That first shot in the Taurus lands on, in the middle of the, on this snow planet was brilliant. I absolutely love that. And I've, ever since, I've always been attracted to films that have that environment. I love films that are made in Antarctica. Okay. Uh, that sort of, yeah, I'm always drawn to these kind of things. Like, uh, did I see it? The first Alien vs. Predator. Okay. Uh, I think it, I, re- I was really drawn to it because of the setting. Like, okay. the X-Files movies are very much that same setting. I mean. The Thing. Is it the, the, the Thing as well, yeah. It's yeah. a very harsh environment. And even in Doctor Who, they did... Um, Seeds of Doom. Seeds of Doom, that's the one. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. I love that. It's just so atmospheric. And then... Finally, they went back to that in uh, Planet of the Oods, and that was like, yes, here we go. Oh, I see what you're saying, actually. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. So you've got effectively this lovely white, blank landscape that you can just project whatever you like yeah. onto. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. so I should ask, as you've, as you've come, to, come to Doctor Who at such a, at an interesting point in its history, who would you say was your Doctor? Now, I have two. Okay. Uh, it is Peter Davison and Colin Baker. Based, okay. Possibly more Colin, because although I started with Kids Around Zani and I absolutely loved Peter's Doctor, uh-huh. because he died at the end of it, effectively, <laughs> and regenerated. He was tremendously heroic. This is his finest hour. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fantastic. And I, I met him last year, made a wee chat about it, and I mean, he's, he's very privileged of it. It's very different for his Doctor, I think. Mm. I, mean, I think it, if that had happened earlier, he would have been a, bit, a very different character. Mm. Mm-hmm. But he may not have got as good a story to go out on, so it's a, it's, it's a bizarre thing. But because he did a fantastic performance and it really built up to mm. that end, and then obviously, you know, Revelation of Dallas is one of, one of if not Colin's, best story. Yeah. Yep, uh, yep, although he's a wee bit absent from it, his performance is very, very strong in it. Mm. And it's such a great story anyway with Graham and it's See, directing. That, and, do you consume any of the big finish stuff? I, ha- I have to admit, I am not a big radio listener. Okay. Which is a shame. I know I, I kind of have meant, I've listened to a couple of things. I, I mean, I've looked at some of the, the webcasts on the BBC website. Okay. Uh, 
it's not. I think it's because I'm a, I'm a visual storyteller. I, yeah. I don't quite relate to radio. Although yeah. I mean, I just have me. Yeah, I probably will. It's one of these things where, as you mature, mature from movie and television, you'll mature <laughs> to radio. As you mature from. Uh, plain food to more exotic foods. <laughs> All right, maybe a couple of questions. I think you, know, you mentioned food, which is actually eat. Um, which Doctor Who story would you show to a complete novice to say, like, do you know what? This is it. This is what this show is all about. Oh, and I have done that. Uh, okay. Oh, a good example would be uh, not really a good example of showing what the show's like, but Midnight is a very good example I can think of. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Why, why would you say that? Well, from experience, um, I come from a very large family well my mum is one of ten my dad's one of eight cool. and they're all married with kids alright uh, so my mum's side Christmas got expensive at your house oh uh, <laughs> mad parties um, <laughs> but my mum's brother or one of her brothers has a, a barbecue for the whole family every summer okay. uh, and it's always in the middle of Doctor Who middle of so I, I'm very stubborn and a bit childish that way it's like nope watching Doctor Who right. you know, the arguments I have with some relatives at Christmas time it's like Doctor Who's oh, on oh yeah, 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 yeah family time um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so midnight was on this particular day, mm. and I went off to watch it. And a couple came with me to watch it, and then um, you know different relatives were peering through to see what was going on, and they came in because it was very, very it, you know midnight very draws you in. Yes. And then by the end of the episode, you know about oh, before the end of the episode, uh, but 15, 20 minutes for the end, majority of the family are all creeping into the living room watching what's going on. Uh, uh, uh. Like, do you want to go get a drink or do you want to go play some badminton or whatever? It's like, yeah, what, yeah, we all want to see what happens, you know. The whole family has been watching this thing absolutely tense and terrified about this, this drama. It, exactly, it's very dramatic. Yeah, because a lot of people, if you're not into sci-fi, you'll, a, lot, I mean, some, a lot of my family aren't into sci-fi, and you'll find it has a stereotype, Doctor Who, stereotype. It, although it's great now, it, it still has that, because when it was gone, people started talking. Yes. It was always the height at the time that it was. Yep, it's very much of its time. It. Yeah, of its time, fantastic, yeah. Um, Actually, maybe in some cases, slightly leading it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I did do some very novel things, you know, and tried various processes. First, it was one of the first things to try a um, chroma key, or as the BBC likes to call it, colour separation oh. overlay. <laughs> anyway. Doctor Who fans know this sort of stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and of course, of course, you've got Graham's influence with uh, Warrior's Gate and the Handicap and the Steadicam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's never been done before. And, there's, there's, and that was done... Uh, in Destiny of the Daleks as well I think the whole of the first episode is Steadicam again it's just a whole different way of telling the story something why is, why is the screen moving yeah it's great every so often it will, do, it will be experimental with things it's, it's great uh, they always try things and they're still doing it now oh. as I said Midnight is such an experimental episode that's always thing. It, it, it can be argued that Midnight is almost the opposite of the Caves of Androni because you know Caves of Androni lots of movement lots of pace lots of energy and then you've got Midnight which is very much an actor's story yeah well that's interesting as well the, the, the that they would dare to do that. Mm. That they take a story that is completely dependent on performance, mm. no visual effects, no cutaways, you get nothing to aid the story, it's all in what they're doing. And it's such a difficult performance to do as well, especially with the repeat and they've got jump in front of each other. Yeah. But actually that's the moment I remember when when uh, Leslie Ash jumped in front of David Tennant and spoke for, finished the sentence. Yeah, 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 you know, really. the whole family just went <gasps> It's like they're not Doctor Who fans, but they're absolutely <laughs> terrified of what's going on. Absolutely intrigued. It was like, it was like the minute it finished, I was like, oh. but was, it was like that was bloody brilliant. Maybe that does prove then that people aren't necessarily wanting quick, 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 cut, 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 cut the whole restless camera thing. They like a varying thing. I think that's very good. At what, when Doctor Who works best, they have that 
in series, I think three and four do that very well. They do get very, very dark. Yeah. But they do get they, they know when to relieve at a certain points. In the middle of the series, they'll do a lighter episode. <laughs> that you get Ag- inside. Yeah. yeah, it's like you'll move and you'll suddenly get, you'll get Agatha Christie. You know, just to lighten it before we go right back at it. It's like, now we're going to really get our teeth sunk in. So it's very, very cleverly written and structured. And that's nice what they're doing now as well. They've been quite careful about letting it all away in the first half of the series. Ah, great. Um, Ooh, that's interesting because I think um, at, the t- at the time of the conversation, um, episode five has just aired, Flesh and Stone, yeah. and one of the things which I think people thought might be going for the next 13 weeks has just been closed up and, and got, rid- got rid of. So it's, it's an yeah. interesting dynamic that Stephen, uh, Stephen Moffat's setting up there. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's, it's a very, he's, done, he's done it very, very differently. It's a very bizarre format this year. I mean, uh, the 11th hour, I thought, was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, very cleverly done. I mean, my hat comes off to Matt Smith. He had a... I think he, yeah, I think he really enjoyed it, but he had a, for fans, he had a lot to do. He's doing uh, it, I think. It's like quite, quite heavy weight performance. Yeah. You know, what do you think? It's very heavy. What was very... What I liked about 11th hour, uh, and they modelled it with the costume, but they also did it with his performance. Uh, and they stated it, you know, I'm, I'm not sure yet. I'm not... You know, I'm still cooking, sort of, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he does move back and forth between... David Tennant's Doctor's personality yeah, yeah, yeah. which is I think is very deliberate and a very clever choice to do that not to move on it's like still working it out here and you see that and it's, and, but you get it the minute he becomes his own character it's there you know, it's interesting to mention that I mean, maybe as an actor you notice this as well um, so yesterday, yesterday's story uh, and Time of Angels one yeah. of the first things that Matt Smith shot yet that's easily his most assured performance so far in the season I agree with that um, yeah because uh, The Beast Below was interesting there was uh, some good character dynamics uh, but not my favourite episode uh, um, and the da- this and Victor the Daleks started off very well and he's had some ve- he was terrible the frustration he had with Daleks was great uh, but the minute they left him up in space, I but lost that, and it was a shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think, well, I, I know Mark Hayes is a fantastic writer. Perhaps, yeah. yeah, perhaps we should move away. From yeah, but no, I'm not sliding it off at all because I really enjoyed it. But I think it was like, it was a funny balance. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it seems that sometimes they do that with early episodes. They'll have they kind of they're a bit lighter in pace and tone sometimes. I, I get the feeling it could have benefited from a slightly more drawn out storytelling process. That episode, possibly, so but maybe it. that might have been too much if every episode because. Knowing Stephen Moffat, uh, what his interests are like, because you see when he's interviewed, he's always interested in scare. His mm. quote is, "I like to go and scare the wee buggers." Um, <laughs> when he was talking about the bone cracking noises and the get in the empty child, yeah, yeah, oh, uh, which should have stayed, I think. But, yeah. yeah, well, it's on the DVD. Uh-huh, right. okay. um, but I watched him interviewed about that, and that's and when you watch all these episodes, clearly that's where his interest is. So I think it's going to get very, very dark. But obviously, he has to. If he does it too dark early on, he's going to have to go too far, where he may get into trouble if he doesn't. If he if he went below the, over the line, so what you're which he'd have to do if he started off too dark. That's not. So that, would that be a bad thing? Uh, like no, I would love it. I would love it. You know, I'd love to see the the cut of Mary Whitehouse, whoever it is, kind of up in arms again. You know, whenever they complain about it, it's great. But obviously, they don't, you still have to be careful because it is aimed at kids as well. Okay. And you know, the last episode uh, with the Weeping Angels were brilliant. They were really, they were quite good. I was like, oh, that's quite freaky. Uh, so we're interested to see that's only the first half so where are we going to go uh, I think I'm going to have to go I'm afraid and check the DVD thank you very much thank you for the interview it's wonderful thank you excellent stuff do you know one of the things I like most about Doctor Who fandom is that it's so open and inclusive Ryan had an idea to make a film so he just got on and did it if you have an idea for a podcast or an idea for a story you can just get on and do it and invite other fans to join in 
Well, that about wraps it up for episode 35. And you know what? I really quite like it out here. I don't think I'm going to bother getting back in my box again. I think I think I'll just stay out here in the camper van. Yes. Right. Well, I'll have a relax and we'll get ready for episode 36 when we'll be back in the saddle and back in the stride of doing weekly Doctor Who podcast episodes. Back to the geek outs, back to the reviews, back to the opinions and back to normal. Excellent stuff. All right, so I'm going to leave you with Marty. Take care, have a great week and we'll see you very soon. Bye. That was the Doctor Who podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care.